the React team shared an update with us, which is pretty exciting for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that it's been some time since we received at least an official update, I guess, if you define official as the React blog. That's of course not entirely true because the React team does also communicate on other channels, for example on X, um, but of course also because a lot of React development recently happened in the context of Next.js or at least was communicated in the context of Next.js, but I'll get back to that. So it's pretty exciting because the last official blog post we got on the React blog was on May the 3rd, 2023, so almost a year ago. And now on February 15th, 2024, we got another blog post, another update and a pretty exciting one because in this update, we learn a lot about the relatively near future of React, about React version 19, which will be the next major version of React, and about some exciting features that will be included in that version. In addition, there is the announcement, I guess, of ReactConf 2024, which is scheduled for May 15th and 16th this year. But of course, that's not the main thing of that blog post. Instead, in that blog post, where we learn more about React's near future, the main topic, probably, is the new React compiler, on which the React team has been working for a while now. Now, this React compiler is called React Forget, and the idea behind this compiler is that it will take a look at your React code, essentially, and it will try to do memoization for you. Now, what does this mean? Well, in React, as of today, without that compiler, you sometimes have to use the useMemo hook or the useCallback hook or the memo function to wrap logic or components to make sure that they don't re-render unnecessarily. Because the way React works, it can actually render components and re-evaluate components unnecessarily because it doesn't always understand if a re-evaluation cycle is necessary or not. And you therefore have to use these hooks and so on to tell it that some value didn't change in a certain component and therefore no re-evaluation of that component is needed. Things like that. Now, of course, we have all these tools in React though. So why do we need a compiler and what is it really about? What is memoization? Well, we have to use these different tools, use memo, use callback, and so on, to tell React when to not render or re-evaluate a component. And this compiler, React Forget, is about doing that for us, so that we don't need to use use memo or use callback or the memo function anymore, but that instead, with help of that compiler, React is able to know and find out whether a component really should be re-evaluated or not, so that React gains a deeper understanding of your code, you could say, and therefore, with that compiler, as a React developer, 
you would have to worry less or maybe not at all about making sure that unnecessary re-evaluations are prevented. The React compiler would do that for you in that future. And that future is not too distant because in that blog post, which the React team shared, they also mentioned that this React compiler is no longer a research project, but that it instead already powers Instagram.com in production. So this compiler is already being used on a large scale project and it seems to work quite well. Otherwise, they wouldn't uh, be announcing it here for uh, all React developers in the near future. Now, it's also worth noting, and also mentioned in this official blog post, that this compiler and the existence of that compiler will not change the general React mental model, where the UI is essentially um, a function of your, your data and your state. That will not change. It's just meant to decrease the complexity of the code you have to write or at least get rid of that extra work you had to do regarding those unnecessary render cycles that needed to be prevented. Which of course also was not just annoying but also a potential source for bugs and problems. So it's great if we get some help there. Now, they also mention in that blog post that in order for this compiler to really work well, you must make sure that the React code you write follows certain rules or best practices. And therefore, the React team recommends that if you want to make sure that you follow React's rules, you enable strict mode in your React projects and that you use uh, React's ESLint plugin so that you get early warnings if somewhere in your code you have code that technically works but is not optimal because that code then might not be handled by the compiler in the best possible way. Though it's also worth mentioning that the compiler as it sounds from that blog post at least, will work such that it doesn't crash if somewhere in your code you have code that can't be analyzed and optimized uh, automatically. It just won't be able to do anything with that code instead. So it will skip compilation if it determines that it isn't safe to compile your code. So that's that React compiler and it's a really exciting initiative and project and I can't wait to start using it and hopefully get rid of a bunch of boilerplate code in my codebase. Now that compiler isn't everything that's announced here though. In addition, we also get more details about actions or server actions as most developers uh, might know them. Though the blog post explicitly mentions that what was previously uh, meant to be server actions, so a feature that allows you to run code on the server after a form is submitted, now actually became actions that can be used either on the server or also on the client. So that this actions feature, which is about to be added to React, will actually simplify the process of handling form submissions in React, even if it's just a client-side React app without any backend. 
Now, this is also interesting because this actions features is one of those features I mentioned about which we mostly heard in the context of Next.js. Because Next.js actually introduced stable server actions with their latest version, Next.js 14. And I do teach all about that in my Next.js course, for example. But it's interesting to hear and see that it's now the React team itself on their official blog that's talking about this actions feature and that this actions feature is a feature that's not closely tied to Next.js or frameworks in general, but that instead every React developer will be able to use it. At least that client-side actions part. The server-side part will always be a bit more complex because naturally you will need a backend for that. And that's exactly what a framework like Next.js uh, or Remix gives you. But for client-side applications, single-page applications, this client-side actions part could be really interesting. Now, connected to those actions, we also get some new hooks, um, which you can also already use, for example, if you're using Next.js, because we're getting a use form status and a use form state hook which allow us to handle form submissions and update the UI based on them and so on. And a use optimistic hook, which helps with optimistic UI updates so that you can update the UI the user sees even before the data has been saved in a database, for example, to give the user the best possible super snappy user experience. So that's another really interesting feature and getting more help with form submissions and of course, getting that tighter integration with the backend. These are really exciting developments which will allow React developers to build even more amazing user experiences with ease. Now, one problem React suffered from, at least in my opinion, is that all these new features, like React Server Components, for example, also, were developed and published on the Canary branch of React. So not on the latest stable or main branch, but on a special branch or channel, I should say, um, that could be used by every React developer but not really in an easy way, um, I would say. Or at least this canary branch was mainly intended to be used by framework developers, which is why many of the features published through that channel were available in Next.js and were marked as stable there, even though they were not marked as stable in React itself, which was a bit confusing, at least for me, and um, as far as I can tell, also for uh, many other React developers. Now, that will change, as it seems, with the next major version, or at least that next major version, React 19, which is about to be released later in 2024, as it seems, that version seems to bundle a lot of feature that have all been stuck in this canary channel. For example, the use client and use server directives, which are needed for React server components and also server actions. So that is a huge feature uh, that's going to come to stable React. 
Though it is of course worth mentioning that if you plan on using some server-side integrations, some backend integrations, you will still need some framework that gives you that integration because React itself is still a library for rendering user interfaces. In the end, it does not give you some server-side integration uh, out of the box. You will need to set that up on your own uh, or use such a framework. Uh, nonetheless, it's nice to have that all in stable React itself in the near future. And we get some other features. I would guess that we get the compiler, though it's not explicitly mentioned here in the blog post that it will be included in the next major version, but I would guess that it is. But we'll, for example, also get access to some new HTML elements that we can use in our code. Uh, HTML elements that will allow us to easily set some uh, head content of our site, so the title or meta tags, for example, so that you don't need any third-party packages for that anymore, but it's built into React instead. We also get some new features related to asset loading so that React can help you with efficiently loading fonts or CSS files. And this will all integrate with React's suspense feature so that you can show some fallback content whilst those assets are being loaded. So that can be useful. We get those actions, which I already mentioned. Um, they are part of that stable channel then, the client and server actions. And it's also really interesting that Andrew Clark, a team member of the React team, shared a, a tweet or a post, I guess, uh, on X, where he mentioned that by the end of 2024, we will likely never need these APIs, so these React features again. Uh, use memo, use callback and memo because of that React compiler I mentioned. Forward ref, which I didn't mention yet because refs will be accepted as standard props in React components. So if you build a component that should accept a ref, you will no longer need to use forward ref. That seems to be another feature um, that's coming with React 19 as it seems. React Lazy should be made obsolete by React Server components. And we'll also get another new function, the use function, I guess also with React 19, which can be used to access context instead of use context, but which can also be used to handle promises and build async await like React components even if you're not using React server components. Because at the moment with React 18, there indeed are async components. So components that can be decorated with async await, but we're talking about server components here. So components that are rendered on the server. Client-only components, on the other hand, can't use async await. And that's where this use function also seems to come in. The idea with that essentially is that use also works a bit like await and allows you to wait for a promise and for the data that's produced by that promise in client-only components, which also is another nice feature. 
And therefore, React 19 really is an upcoming React version to be excited about, and I can't wait to see what we can build with that version. And of course, it should go without mentioning that I will keep my React course updated as soon as there is something to be updated and added, and that I will try my very best to give all my students the best possible learning experience in that course.